From the time I felt God's call into full-time pastoral ministry, I've had this personal mission to do whatever I can to change the world through the good news of Jesus Christ. But 38 years later, I often ask myself if I'm really achieving that mission. I love Jesus, and I love my family. I like being pastor here at Redeemer, and we've made a lot of progress in, uh, since I came from where we were to where we are today. I like working with other churches and pastors to help them to make a difference in their communities through our 180 turnaround conference. And I like having been part of Christian Athletic Camp for uh, 37 years because we are making a difference in the lives of young men and women. But I know that what I'm doing day to day is not redefining an industry such as Steve Jobs has and Apple or accomplishing one of the greatest feats in human history by world standards. And so often I ask myself the question, what am I doing that really matters, that will matter for all of eternity? What am I doing that will set my life apart or leave the world a better place? Most days I don't feel like I'm anything close to being the man of God that I want to be. And some days I feel like I'm not even that great of a pastor or a teacher and should have stuck to my boyhood dream of being a professional baseball player or a state police officer. My guess is that if we're honest with ourselves, we've all had those moments when we've been gripped by a desire to feel that what we're doing in life matters, that who we are matters. And my guess is that if we're honest with ourselves, um, uh, we don't take stock of of our life like that very often. In the New Testament Gospel of John, there is a verse of Scripture that has always been difficult for me to understand. It's actually one of the most staggering statements that I think Jesus ever made. It's in John chapter 14, verse 12, and I'm going to ask you to read it along with me. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Greater things than Jesus. The greatest person who ever lived. What does that even mean? How do we do greater things than Jesus? Does it mean that we're going to do more powerful miracles than Jesus? Have a bigger impact on the world than Jesus? After all, I don't know many people who have walked on water or multiplied a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish to feed thousands of people or opened the eyes of the blind or have given salvation to the world. Do you? If you're looking to be greater than Jesus, it's probably not going to happen. But by leaving this earth and sending his spirit to live inside his followers, ordinary people like you and me, Jesus released a greater power for us to do extraordinary things in an extraordinary way. I'm talking about the kinds of things that the first century church got to see and do, the kinds of things he still wants to do today through each of us. Jesus isn't calling us to be greater than he is. He's calling us to be greater with him through his spirit that is within us. I've tried to understand the implications of Jesus' claim. I've thought about the number of people over the years that I've talked to who are unsatisfied with the kind of Christ followers that they have become. 
their life has become boring. It's a stale Christian life that they are experiencing. And what I've discovered is that they're not bad people, and most are not in imminent danger of ruining their lives, but they are facing a danger that is far greater, a danger that, uh, that is, the danger is wasting their life, the danger of living below par. Now, these are the very people Jesus is talking about in John 14, 12, people like you and me who are supposed to be doing greater works than Jesus Christ himself, and yet it's not happening. And for most of us, the experience of our daily lives is a far cry from the greater works that Jesus talked about. We've had some big dreams about what God might do in our life, but many of us are stuck in the starting block, and we're dragging along at the back of the pack. We know that we are meant for more than this, and yet we end up settling for a whole lot less. We're frustrated about where we are and we're confused about how to move forward. Can you relate to that? We all know instinctively, even if we can't articulate it exactly, that something isn't squaring up. There's this huge gap between what God says in his word and the results that we see in our lives. It's like we've been lulled into that place of comfortable complacency. And then we wake up one day to find, our stuff, find ourselves stuck in miserable mediocrity. And so we put away any of those dreams and hopes of the greater things that we thought we'd like to do for God. After all, we're doing some pretty good things now. We're living a pretty good life. Well, at least good enough. Actually, some of us, life sucks. But it's all the life that we know, isn't it? And if this, were, if this is, describes you today, let me offer you a word of challenge. You can't keep living like this. It's not fine for you to settle for going to, to, uh, every day to a job that you prefer to quit. It's not fine for you to be doing decent work, a pr being a pretty good person compared to your neighbor, paying your bills on time, sporadically reading the Bible as if it's your guide to the great things God did in somebody else's life in the past. You see, baseline living is not okay. Not for a believer in Jesus Christ. There is a price to pay for Christian complacency. And if we keep on living at this level, our heart is gonna shrivel. In fact, it might already be shriveling. And our dreams are gonna die, and in fact, they may already be on life support. And one day we're going to look up and we're going to see only a stack of regrets in front of us. Opportunities will have been missed. Opportunities to be used by God to touch other people's lives, to get outside of ourselves, to be part of something greater. I know that's not easy, but it is possible. Jesus said it was. The fact is, we are, so much great, uh, we are so much better than we have become because God is so much greater than we are allowing him to be through us. Well, but here's the deal. It's one thing to believe that. It's another thing to live that out. After all, John 14, 12 can be seen like a fairy tale. And the fact is, we have real lives to live. We don't have time in our life and in our cluttered minds for fairy tales. Most of the time, we do well just to make a dent in the pile of laundry, don't we? 
or leave the house on time to beat the morning traffic. It takes everything we have to stay on top of the many obstacles that are thrown at us each week, let alone climb the mountain of greatness. And part of our problem in stepping out and being great for God is that it's painfully vague. What does being great for God mean, anyway? Does it mean that we should give away all our money or become a missionary or join a monastery or smuggle Bibles into Russia? It's one thing to talk about great things for God, but how do we live there? Sometimes it seems like it's unattainable and beyond our reach. This teaching series that we're starting today is not a plan for pursuing greatness. Instead, I hope that through the, an ancient Old Testament story, I can show you the way to a greater place in your life. And here's what we're going to be talking about. Are you satisfied with good enough? Are you satisfied with baseline living that is marked by mediocrity? Are you satisfied with a life that is stuck in spiritual survival mode and controlled by complacency? Or would you like to strive for greatness? You know, that vague, unrealistic aspiration of doing better, but it's not always connected to real life. See, good enough leaves us stuck in stagnation. Grasping for greatness can lead to frustration. But striving for something greater is a third way. Greater is a life-altering understanding that God is ready to accomplish a kind of greatness in our life that is beyond human reach. It's beyond what we see in ourselves, even on our best day, and it's exactly what God has seen in us all along. So for the next eight weeks, we're going to dig into the life story of two Old Testament prophets. Their names are Elijah and Elisha. And their stories are found in the book of, books of 1 and 2 Kings in the Old Testament. So if you want to get a jump start on reading and following along with this series, uh, turn to the pages of the Old Testament and get into 1 and 2 Kings. What I hope that we will find as we study together is that you will want to leave behind your life of good enough and give up on any false ideas of greatness. And you will place all of your expectations, all of your hopes, all of your fears squarely on the shoulders of a God whose power is greater than our minds can comprehend. And my prayer is that we will come to a greater understanding of God's power than we've ever imagined. It's a place where even the impossible is possible. And it's not out there somewhere, it's already in each of us. Greater is not reserved just for people like Abraham and St. Paul and Mother Teresa, it's the birthright of every ordinary believer, you and me. So you may be thinking, well, that all sounds pretty interesting, Rod, but what do I have to do to experience it? Well, it begins with belief. It begins by simply asking God to open your eyes by faith and help you to perceive that he has greater things in store for you and in your future than you could ever imagine. Are you ready for that? To open your imagination to the possibility that God has a vision for your life that is greater than anything that you've ever experienced to this point in your life. Greater than the labels that were put on you as a young person. 
greater than the cynical attitude that has settled in on you as you've gotten older. Greater than a life spent aimlessly wandering in the cyberspace of your smartphone or tablet. Greater than empty earthly success that brings no eternal reward. Greater than the shame hanging on you like a stone from the sins of your past. Greater than the abuse you suffered at the hands of someone you trusted. Greater than the hell you've been going through in the trials of your life. And greater than the missed opportunities that weigh on your mind at the end of the day. Greater than even the greatest moments that your life has had to this point. You don't have to understand all of this at this moment. You only have to be open and willing to believe and to lean into the greater things that God has already prepared for you. You see, there is a gap between the greater things that God promises in his word and the results that we typically see in our lives. How many of us can say that we have confidence that there is nothing that is impossible with God? How many of us can say that we have the clarity to see the next step that God is calling us to take? How many of us have the courage to do anything that God may ask us to do? My prayer is that across the next couple of months, we'll begin to get a real sense of what greater things God wants to do in our life. Maybe God's going to call you to a major life change. Maybe God simply wants you to come at your present life with greater passion and new perspective. But either way, I hope we'll discover that the pathway to God's best in your life is paved with faith. And we'll talk about some of the tangible steps to help us get there. You see, the call to be greater is the call to walk with God himself. God's greatness will not just be working around you, it will start working through you. And the result will be a life of greater effectiveness, greater impact, and greater vision. That's the thing about God's leading in our lives. It's not static, it's not automatic, but it's accessible. And it's accessible now, and it has the power to change everything. Here's what I'd like you to think about and do between now and next week. See, the Bible describes a system of evil in the world that is made up of everything that stands opposed to God's ways and God's plan. And it's all designed to bring you down and keep you down. It's all designed to systematically sabotage God's plan in your life and God's purposes in this world. So breaking out of that complacency, out of that mediocrity, requires waging war against the enemy. And I have two questions that I want you to write down. So get out the back of your worship folder or a piece of paper or pen. I want you to write down these two questions because I want you to be thinking about these today or tomorrow or throughout this week. And the first question is this, what is the greatest enemy of the greater life that God has for me? What's the greatest enemy that's blocking the greater life that God has for me? And the second question, in what ways does my life demonstrate that I'm stuck in mediocrity? That I've settled for good enough? It's going to take some honesty, isn't it? Some pretty deep honesty and thinking. What ways does my life demonstrate that I'm stuck in mediocrity? That I've settled for good enough? 
See, the beauty of the spiritual life is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's already done, what he desires to do through us. Nobody does greater things for God because we've got it all together. And nobody is disqualified because we don't have it all together, including you and me. God doesn't do greater things exclusively through great people. He does them through anyone who's willing to trust him in greater ways. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask you to search our hearts today and to save us from talking truth and not living it, of saying we follow Jesus but refusing to submit our lives to him in practical ways or using our resources to help advance kingdom purposes. God, keep us from being hypocrites and being satisfied with living lives of mediocrity. We want more than that, and you are capable of giving us more than that. We long for something greater. So help us to know the fullness of your glory fulfilled in our lives this day and in our time. We ask it in Jesus' name.